Okay, I'm going to jump right in. I want to welcome you back to our Tefillah Shear, Living on a Prayer from this Parsha. We have a very special sponsor this week, our good friend, Golden Abe Foxman, in memory of Abraham's father, Yossi Moshe ben Aaron, Joseph Foxman. Learning should be little in Shmasa. We try to have each year be somewhat independent of the other. Uh, it's a little bit different because I'm trying to explain through Parsha Shemos Ve'ira, and we'll probably continue with this next week with Parsha's Bo, a very important uh, theme. It, I think it's very practical, at least to me, it's really changing the way I understand Shema Koleinu. When we dive in every day, multiple times, and we say Shema Koleinu, Hashem, listen to our voice. Listen to our voices. We speak Belashon Rabbim. And you know the way the bracha ends, Baracha Hashem, Shoma What is this call? So in last week's uh, class, with your great input, we discussed how hearing is so central to Yahadus. First of all, to listen to other people, it's a great challenge. We know this in our own time. A lot of people talk, but the skill of listening. I, I included in last week's share some studies that have been done, which is not meant to exp set the bar so low, but whether we actually listen to people. We could be talking to each other. I know, Yaniv, you're listening, but we could be looking at someone, and not just because we're distracted by our phones, but maybe we haven't been educated how to listen. But we do believe that Hashem hears everything. But what exactly do we mean by our voice? The name of this uh, topic is the voice of prayer. This is part two, and I'm not going to finish it today. We'll get to part three next week. So we, we use the Parsha to try to uh, help us. And this is a halacha. You know, when we think about halacha, lamasa, practical law, it's not always a simon of the Shulchan Aruch, although this is found in the Shulchan Aruch. It's the meaning behind the halacha. And this is actually especially significant when it comes to tefillah. Just saying the words, have we even fulfilled the obligation to daven? We could learn every single halacha of Hilchas tefillah. When to bow down, when not to pause, tonight's Rosh Chodesh, what happens if you forget Yalaviyava? All that's very important. We have technical aspects. But without not only the framework, but what I want to explain is the call of tefillah, the voice of tefillah, which may not exactly be words, are we even davening? So I'm going to go to a certain extreme this week with next week's year, which I'm already halfway there. We're going to go a little bit to the opposite direction and moderate it. But let's focus a little bit. Let's jump in. As I pointed out last week, the Shulchan Aruch, Rabbi Yosef Cairo, before he wrote the Shulchan Aruch, he wrote the Beit Yosef. I usually say Beis Yosef, but then I saw Sam get on. So I call it Bet Yosef. And the Bet Yosef says that the whole history of this Shomat tefillah, of listening to tefillah, is anchored while the Jews were in slavery. Now, when the Jews were in slavery, they didn't have formal prayer. So what exactly is going on? You look on top, the Bet Yosef in Kuf Yud Bet, Amru Shema When it said in last week's parsha, Vayizaku, they cried out, so God heard their tefillah. Human beings have a hard time hearing. We assume Kaviyachal, God does not have the same challenge. But what does this mean? If you look in this week's parsha, which you have towards the bottom, you see a similar formulation with Moshe. You know, you have some leaders and some rulers, they're not so great at listening either. One of those is. Para, 
I'll discuss this in boot camp. Pyro used to have a way to hide out. He thought that staying in that big house palace would somehow, you know, protect him. People sometimes delude themselves that their, their homes could protect them. That's Shabbos. We're going to discuss it in boot camp. He used to go to the Nile. Moshe would go to Pyro at together with Aaron, and he would try to get him to do things. You can imagine how frustrating the job was. Do you ever have somebody who you, you talk to and they just don't seem to be listening to you? Has that ever happened? I don't see anyone on this line that that could happen to. So think about Moshe's frustration. He has the burden of the pressure on the, of the community on him. He could have stayed back with his father-in-law, as challenging as that is. It was a much easier life. He comes back at the will of God. God says, free the people. His people, as we see in this week's Pasha, Pasha's Ve'ira, they didn't listen to him. They were totally wiped out. And then Pharaoh, who has the power, he doesn't listen. You could imagine. So what does Moshe do at night? What does Moshe do at night? You can imagine that if he's our religious leader and spiritual leader, he has to find his, his source of strength somewhere. So if you look at this Pasuk, Parachet, Pasuchet, Vayetze Moshe Vyaron Me'impara. They leave Pyro. This is during the, the well, we call it Svardea, maybe frogs, however we translate it. By Yitzhak Moshe El Hashem al-Devar HaTzvardim HaShem You see the term by Yitzhak. He gives, what do we say? Some of you are experts in Yiddish. He gives a shrai, right? It's a, it's a moaning, it's a screaming. Now the Bermayim Chayim, I don't usually use in this uh, sheer Hasidic sources, but this is, I'm going to explain this is very halachic. The Bermayim Chaim, I don't know if you know anyone with the last name Chernovitz. You know, that's a common name. It was a place in Western Europe. The Bermayim Chaim was a great Rav. And the Bermayim Chaim was Rav Chaim of Chernovitz. I think his last name was Tyr, a tire. A tire, T I E R is how we say it in English. It's in Western Ukraine. He was a Chassid who was very much influenced by other Hasidic masters. He was a rub of a city and he eventually comes to Eretz Yisrael. It's very fascinating. I know people that are related to him and he has a, his most famous book is not his commentary on Chumash. It's called Sidur Shel Shabbat. It's how a Jew, especially in Galut, needs Shabbos to survive. It's a very fascinating work. It also has important halachic uh, inclusions. So in Bermayim Chaim, which I'm gonna do most of this outside, he reflects that even Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't sure what to pray for. Even when it came to technical things with the frogs, you know, he's supposed to pray that Hashem gets rid of the frogs. The reason why he's supposed to pray that Hashem gets rid of the frogs is not because he wants to get rid of the frogs, but he wants the Jews to get out. So he's not sure. If you look at the language, Now, I'm not going to get into his technical point. But what I'm trying to highlight here is that even Moshe, you know, he didn't have that magic prayer book at a time of challenge. So he gave out a certain shrai as well. So you see this theme in, in this past week's parsha, in this week's parsha, I'll try to show it to you next week as well, that sometimes as sophisticated as we are, we can't necessarily find the right words. Now, we anchor ourselves and we rely on the great rabbis who formulated the Siddur. But as I want to try to show is that even the Siddur, and I mean no disrespect to the rabbis, 
even the sitter isn't necessarily going to include every single thing that's going on in my heart and in my soul. You know, I have my own relationship with God. So the great rabbis, the Anshik and they allowed us and they gave us some room to add our own tefillah. That some add during Shema Kolenu, others add at the end. But maybe there's some aspect of prayer, and I'll get to this piece either later today or next week from Rabbi Soloveitchik, that we can't even say. You know, if you have such feelings of love for someone or even such uh, anger, sometimes you say, I don't have the words. Now, you know the problem when a rabbi gets up and he says, I don't have the words. Then he goes on and he speaks for 25 minutes or, or, or three hours. Not this rabbi. So don't say you don't have the words. If you don't have the words, then sit down. You know, I was uh, watching, I make a sidebar, but I'll mention on Shabbos, there, there's a great rub from West Hempstead, Rabbi uh, Yehuda Kalamar. He passed away this week. He was a great man. I, I knew him, you know, not as well as his congregants, obviously. But I saw a, a, a film this week of when he was, uh, there's something called an invocation. You know, when a rabbi's invocated, I still haven't had mine. So it's okay. I don't need a formal ceremony. But they showed his, I saw a film, one of his congregants sent me this year from, it must have been 1983. And um, Dodgers beat the Yankees, I think. The 1983 came to the young Israel West Hempstead and they're invocating him. I think that's the term, like an inauguration. There were like two hours of speeches. I wasn't interested, especially today. I, and I fast forwarded. He gets up to speak and he, he says, listen, the things that were said about me today, he says, this is the way I want to live my pulpit. And more ma'at, I'll say a little, but I say harbei. And hopefully you will all do a lot and you'll let me do a lot. And then he basically sat down. That was the beginning of a great career. So we could talk and talk. At the end, some things we don't even know what to say. So that is going on in this parsha, And I want to show you that this is not just about the parsha, but there's actually an aspect of our own prayer. And it's a very fine line as we try to educate ourselves and our kids. It's not only about the words. There's sometimes you don't even know how to formulate what's happening. Now, that's not enough, because if we would just leave it up to our own feelings and say, God, you figure it out, we wouldn't develop the same way. You see, when we say all these prayers, it helps develop us not only as individuals, but all these things that we should care about as a community, for others' health, for others' wealth, for those types of things, for justice, that there should be justice that serves, for gratitude. So that's the framework and why I'm being pushed so much into understanding when we say Shema Kolena, what does that mean? So I want to share with you uh, an incredible source. It's not a source on Siddur, but as I've been showing you this year, in the Parsha, every single week, I guarantee it, every Parsha, I haven't gone through everyone yet, there are going to be aspects that could be integrated into our lives. So this comes from the Arachayim. The Arachayim was another great Rav of the Galut. He's a Moroccan Rav who eventually makes his way to Tzvat with a very famous group of rabbis. And the Arachayim, 1696 to 1793. If you go into any Hasidic shtibel, they will study the Arachayim HaKadosh. That's what they call him, the Arachayim HaKadosh on Parsha. He didn't know anything about Hasidus, even though the time there's a certain overlap. He was living in Morocco, then in Eretz Yisrael. It's fascinating why Hasidim love his commentary, and that would be a separate share. I gave for a whole year a share on the Arachayim. 
So the Arachayim says something. Let's go back to the Pasuk from last week's parsha. Vayizaku. They cried out to God. Vatal Shavasam. And their, I'm going to translate it, their moans or their sounds went up to God from the Avoda. It doesn't say tefillah. So what's happening here? So the Arachayim gives two views. I'm going to merge the two because I think that's the, it's a legitimate approach. Let me read it to you inside. It's the third source. What does it mean they cried out or they, they screamed out or they shried as we say it? They moaned. Perish. It doesn't mean that they had a clear formulation. God, please save us exactly from this. Bless you be God, the one who listens to our prayers. That's not what was going on. The first opinion he says is they screamed out from being slaves. You have to understand historically what's happening here in the Pasuk, not just historically, but understanding the narrative. This was actually when they were given a day of break. You know what it's like. If you have a day off, sometimes you appreciate, now I have room to breathe, how miserable it was before. You know that according to the Medrash, Paro said to the, uh, Moshe said to the Paro, give the Jews one day off. It's going to be good for them to have a break, but you're also going to have better workers. You know, if you go seven straight days, nine straight months, it's not going to be as easy. That's fascinating. So they have a one-day break. That's what it seems like, or at least that's the way it's presented, a little bit of a respite. And they scream out, back into the Arachayim, like an individual who screams out from his pain or from his agony. That's why I think the best term is, I don't think it's an English term. I gave a shrai. It's a moan. That was actually the first the Arachayim is saying, that shry, that scream, that moan, that groan reached the heavens. That's not a clear formulation. And then he says, We spoke about last week. We don't always listen to other people. Even if we're hearing, we don't necessarily listen very carefully to their pain, but we believe and we anchor ourselves in the fact that God hears us, even when we're not saying it. That's what he says over here. Perish haramat kol ke'evam. God heard and noticed the word kol. This is from the Archaim. Every word is very clearly selected, very specifically selected. God heard the voice that expresses the torment that was inside. He goes on to say that this is what's happening when we say, we'll say this in minametza uh, karasi Hashem. We actually say it tomorrow as part of Hallel. What's that doing in Hallel? The ultimate praise to Hashem, God said, is when we show our dependency to God. It's not always specifically what we say, but God hears the pain inside of us. Now, if you look down below at the bottom source, we're jumping around over here, but you'll see where we're getting, and the conclusion is going to be next week. So this is still part of the setup. I've been trying to explain that prayer is not only the words that we say. It's even sometimes the words that we can't say because we're so confused. And But we're, we're not giving up. We're screaming out. We're giving a shrai, and Hashem hears that shrai. Hashem hears that call. So I've shown you different sources. I'll give you one from the very rational world. You know, we call it the world of the Lithuanian Russia Yeshiva. There was a great rav. His name was Yerbi Cheska Levenstein. He was the mashkiach of the Mir Yeshiva. 
Where was he during the war? He went with the Mir Yeshiva to Shanghai. Dennis, do you remember there was a restaurant in Brooklyn called Shanghai? Okay, I used to think since I went there once as a kid, I said it in class, with, there were Jews who hid away in Shanghai and the whole class started laughing. You see, my history wasn't so great at that point. They thought I was a let's making a joke. The Rebbe threw me out of the class. Shanghai, everybody left. So I remember a kid on the way out said, why don't you get us an egg roll from Shanghai? But Shanghai was not a place to have Chinese food, right? This was a place where the Jews, Baruch Hashem, there's a great story there about the great ones from non-Jews who helped save the Jewish community. So Rebecheska Levenstein, he went to Shanghai, he eventually comes to, to Brooklyn and then he makes his way to Eretz Yisrael. I daven almost every day with his sitter for the last couple of years, the Divrei Yecheskel. And this is what he says, Amar HaMashkiach. His students put together the sitter based on his teaching. When we're talking about Shema Kaleinu, it doesn't mean how long, how loud you scream. You know, the Stalin al-Hasidim, when they daven, they scream. But it's not just about the screaming. The screaming is a reflection of something else. And even those of us who don't scream, much more important than whether Shalom Baum is screaming, is my heart screaming out. And if you go back to the original source that you have on the page, the Beis Yosef, just to show you this is not abstract, but Rabbi Yosef Cairo is saying, when we dive in Shema Koleinu, it goes back to this point in history. We should almost imagine ourselves like the Jews, our ancestors who were in bondage. They didn't have the words to say. Now, what Yechazgal Levenstein is saying, we do have the words to say, fortunately, today. We're given this great gift of the sitter, but we shouldn't lose the call, that voice. We're going to have words to say, but we shouldn't lose those that feeling that even if we wouldn't have the words, there's someone listening to us. And we don't have everything to say because the rabbis didn't put it all together. If you flip over, this will be the last source for today. This is exactly what I found in an incredible safer. I don't have time now for more history. We've met a lot of different personalities as we do every week. There was a great rub in the Velazhin Yeshiva and his name, he's, he's not the most famous Rosh Yeshiva of Velazhin Yeshiva, the most famous is Rabbi Chaim Velazhin, but this is Rabbi Lezer Yitzchak Fried. Rabbi Tzala, they called him, passed away in 1853. We have a collection of his teachings and look what he says. And he quotes from someone who I don't know exactly who he is, so I apologize. He says, V'shamati b'shem, the name of the person, When we say Shema Koleinu, V'lo perusha ezek kolhu, when we say to Hashem Shema Koleinu, it doesn't say which voice. Like, what exactly does kol mean? Al derech dimyon, so I want to explain it to you. I'll give you an analogy. A father hears the crying, the shrying of his son. And it's not just the father, maybe the mother even more so. You know, we know, or we should know, when our kids are calling out to us, even if they don't say, hey, Abba, or Tati, or Daddy, we know. You know, maybe it's a kid who we haven't heard from in a few days. It usually means they want our attention, you know, assuming we're in touch with them. And even if we're not in touch, a father knows, no matter how old it is. My mother reminds me of this all the time. You know, she, she knows, you know, when something's going on. 
And when they hear that cry, then So look what he says. And they go see what the crying is. And this is the parents that we're supposed to be. So too we want from Hashem this is incredible. We want Hashem to hear what we're saying to ourselves. That inner pain or that inner anguish at times, the existential plight that everyone has, their own challenges, even if we're not saying it. So when we dive in every day, it's incredible. It's a bakash, it's a request. And we say, Shema Koleinu, listen to our voice. We're saying to Hashem, even if we're not going to spell it out, maybe we're not sophisticated enough to say it, or maybe we're in denial. Whatever the particular issue is, Hashem, please listen to us. Help us along. What I'm going to show you next week is this goes back all the way to the time of Avram Avinu. And you find this theme, and that's why I find it so compelling, in every type of literature, You'll find it in Sephardic great rabbis. I showed it to you from the Arachayim HaKadosh, originally Sephardi, but even in sources today. You'll find it in the Lithuanian world, in the Hasidic world. The idea that tefillah and living tefillah is not only about the words. It's about something much deeper. And it's not just kavana, because kavana can mean, okay, I'm focused. It's reaching out to God and saying, listen to my insides. And we all have it just like our children do. What I'm going to try to show you next week is that at times, maybe because of whatever we're going through, we're not able to do more than just say the words. And sometimes that in itself could be at least a level and a satisfactory level, even if we're not as perfect as maybe we should all be. But none of us are perfect, good enough prayer sometimes is good enough as well. So we'll continue next week with the voice of prayer. And this is the voice of Shalom Baum. I want to again thank our sponsors, Golden A. Foxman, in memory of Yosef Moshe ben Aaron, Yosef Foxman. Anyone who wants to sponsor, feel free to be in touch with me, with Howard. Have a great week. Everyone should be safe. I want to see everybody in person as soon as we are safe to do so. Bezras Hashem Have a great day.